Hallelujah. You know, earlier in the week, I was talking to the Lord as I, well, I often do. I mean, I, that's just kind of a daily thing. I, 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 spend, I try to spend time talking to him and ministering to him and, and listening. And I said, Lord, what is it you want to talk about this week? And what, what should I really be focused on? He said, I want you to study about my presence. You know, every time God tells me something like that, there's a reason behind it. He's not just coming up with things and saying, you know, oh, let's try this. Let's give this. No, no, that, because there's a, there's a motivation for him behind it. Or, or I should say a purpose. A purpose behind it when he says something. If you catch on, and how do you catch it? By, by faith. You're just going to latch on to it by faith. You have to understand that God's speaking and he's, he's trying to get something across to us. Now, I don't know how long we'll talk about this. I mean, we'll talk about it today, but we, this, could, this could go more than one Sunday. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to limit it. But open, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And there's things that God wants his people to have because his presence is so, pre so precious. So precious. And uh, we find here in Romans chapter 12, let's look at verse 3. He says, I, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. And we know grace is a power. The Bible says that by grace you were saved. Through, through what? Through faith. So the, it, grace is the power of God. And he says that through grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not through this power, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So God gave each of us a measure of faith. It's what you do with that faith and how do you interact with that faith in his presence? All right, the things are changing your life. If you don't spend very much time, you know, we, you know, we know the Bible says that faith comes by what? Hearing? Hearing by the word of God. So that measure of faith that, you, that everybody's been given, same measure. He didn't give Kenneth Copeland a whole lot of faith, and you and I a little bit of faith. No, 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 it's same faith. It's what you do with it that, that makes a difference in not only your life, but it affects other people's lives around you and can affect the whole, it can, it can have an effect upon the whole world. But we've each been given a measure of faith. It's what you take and do with that faith that will determine, because faith has to grow. It only grows by what? Hearing, hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, you can't, you can't, live off of last Sunday's faith. You can't, you can't live off of yesterday's faith. That's in the past. Faith has to be renewed every day. If faith is not renewed every day, you'll not use it. And the world has a saying, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Well, that's really, that's true in the, in the, in the arenas of faith, because if you don't if you don't use faith, you, you'll lose it. So it has to be renewed every day. Now look here at verse 6. He says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Okay, so see, here's a revelation. You can only do things according to the proportion of faith that you're dealing with. If you've just got a little bit of faith, you've only got a little bit to deal with. Mm -hmm. 
if you've got much faith, you have much to deal with. If you have great faith, you'll be able to do with, deal with great things. But so many times people just take their faith and they, you know, they get born again. They come to church, but see, they never, they never work in the areas of their faith and not understand that why is it when I go to use my faith for something, I don't see any results because your faith is really small. I'm not, I've seen a scripture a couple of weeks ago, I think it's in Proverbs, it says, it says, he that faints in the time of trouble are weak. And what's he talking about? He's talking about, he's ta it's talking about faith. He that faints in times of trouble is weak. They got weak faith. God did not design you and me to be weak in the areas of spirituality. He created us to be strong. And that's what it says in the word, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So faith has to, has to continue to grow. And you can only do things in proportion to the faith that you have. And if you understand that, you can, you can operate in that area. Years ago, when I was introduced to the power of God and how, how it operated, I, you know, I didn't go out laying hands on people that were, that were dying. I, knew I didn't have faith for that. I started out every time somebody had a cold. Well, let me pray for you. I can believe God healed somebody of a cold at that time. I had no problem with that. And then as people would come back to me and say, hey, brother, thanks for praying for me. You know that hey, it's gone. Praise God. They were increased. I was increased. Why? Because I started seeing faith working. Then it progressed. Well, I'm not just going to pay for people to call them. Pray for people that, that have illnesses. Didn't matter what kind. I did, I, you know, I didn't register. I just people that were, were sick of, of different diseases that I just go ahead and pray for them. Well, if God can heal you of a cold, <laughs> see, but see, that was my mentality. I had to start somewhere, and so, and the more people I I I, I would pray for, I, the more I realized, you know. It ain't me doing the healing. And that's what the devil uses against you to make you think that, well, I could never pray for somebody. It's not you doing the healing anyway. You're just a tool is all you are. You're just a tool. When you, I've said this before, but when, when your car breaks down and you take it to the mechanic, fix your car. You pay him, right? Did you go over and pay the tools that he used? Oh, monkey wrench, you did such a wonderful job on my car. Oh, screwdriver, you were so good. No, you don't. You go to the mechanic and you pay him. See, you're just a tool. You're a tool in the kingdom. The power just flows through you, just like the power from the mechanic operated as he picked up that wrench or he picked up that screwdriver or whatever he was using, that ratchet, and, and it, it all flowed together and fixed what was broken in that car. See, you start to get a revelation and understanding that God gave us a commandment to lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. He said, go out and cast out devils. Oh, well, Pastor, I don't know if I can do that. It ain't you doing its authority of Jesus. He gave you authority. He you know, if God gave you a credit card and said, here, here's my credit card, just go out and buy whatever you want to. You have no problem going to the store. You know, you can go out and buy a small Ford. No, no, no. Give me the Cadillac. Give me the Lexus. Because I, I got God's credit card here. I'm going to get nothing but the best. A 
$200,000 home? Oh, no, no, buddy. No, I want the million and a half. I want the five million. See, your whole attitude changes because you realize it ain't the, it's not you paying for it. He's paying for it. See, that's how you would be. Now, don't sit there and act like you, you wouldn't do that. You, you know good and well you would. If, if he had given you a credit, his credit card said, just go out and buy whatever you need. Well, see, that's really, in a sense, what he's done in the spirit. He said, I'm giving you authority. And it's my authority. These signs will follow you because you put your faith in me. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll cast out devils. If you drink anything deadly, it won't hurt you. You'll speak with other tongues. Why? Because it's not you. It's, just, it's coming from the Father to you because what? You have faith. But see, if you don't believe that scripture, if you don't believe that what Jesus said you're supposed to do, see, your faith now, your proportion of faith is small. You're going to have to stretch your faith and say, okay, uh, according to my proportion, I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Not by anything I do, but by what he did. So he's given me the authority to do that. I cast out devils. And there's a lot of devils showing up in people's lives right now. Come on now. Are you it, it didn't used to be that way. Now we got, them on, we got them right in our faces. You need to start dealing with them. Don't come running to church and, and talk about how bad the world is. It's been bad. It's just the power of God is moving and shaking up these demons and they're manifesting so that what? It's easier for you to cast them out. I mean, that's really how you need to look at it. The reason why you're seeing a manifestation is because of God's grace and mercy. He's exposing these things so that real believers, I'm not talking about the fake ones, the ones that are just churchy people. I'm talking about real believers who say, by God, we've got to cast that devil out of that person. You walk into Walmart and a devil starts manifesting, you should just walk right over to it. Come out of them! In the name of Jesus, I'll guarantee you the whole atmosphere in that place will change. Why? Because you know who you are. But what happens? When something like that happens, everybody just kind of looks and walks away. And what happens? It, 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 it gets worse and worse. Well, let's call the police. Well, there used to be a time the police would do something, but you know, to the point where we could get in trouble to do something. Oh, the devil, he's just, he's just running havoc on this earth. The only reason why he's running havoc is because Christians won't stand up and do what they're supposed to do. And the reason why they don't do what they're supposed to do, that's what we're here talking about today, because of his presence. We don't spend time in his presence. Spend time in his presence will change everything. Go to Matthew chapter 9. I've dealt with this before many times. I'll still deal with it. I'll deal with it the rest of my ministry here on earth. I'm not afraid to. Matthew 9. Many of the church today has the idea and the attitude and this is, see, this is what Paul was talking about, doctrines of demons. This is going to make the religious people just flat out, their heads are going to spin. Why? Because you've got a devil. What I'm about to say, you hear this phrase, and I cringe every time I hear it. Like, you know, somebody says it on the radio or something like that. I cringe because I'm like, you don't realize what you're saying. You don't realize who you are. Because this phrase develops a spiritual laziness. I don't have to do nothing because of this phrase. And there's no scripture to support it. In order for something to be scriptural, <laughs> it has to have scripture. That makes sense. 
got a whole lot of things going on out there. They have no scripture to support it. I got scripture that, that contradicts it right here. We'll look at, but I'm going to hit it. And here's here's the saying: God's in control. You hear religious people say that all the time, and people that mean well—they mean well. They're not—they're not purposely trying to deceive, but they're, see, they're already deceived. Yeah, they're deceived already. Because remember, when disciples came to Jesus and said, "What will it be like in the last days?" Remember what Jesus' first words were: "Be not deceived." That's how he responded. Meaning what? Deception is going to be rampant. And see, the only way that you're going to sharpen and be sh sharp against deception is you've got to spend time with the Lord. You've got to spend time with the Father. You've got to have conversation. And really, your conversation with Him should not be you doing all the talking. You should be doing the listening. Maybe 5-10% talking. But most of the time listening. Because He's got a lot to say. But see, He's not going to just sit there and start talking to you the devil's a master at distraction. You go to read your Bible, you go up, you go home, and you pull out a Bible and you start to read it, and you couldn't sleep for days. Now all of a sudden you can you can you can fall asleep. There's something spiritual going on there. And you need to wake up. God is not in control of everything. He didn't tell you what to eat for breakfast. tell somebody to go down to the nightclub and kill a whole bunch of people. Not my God. My God didn't do that. There is a God that did it, but it ain't my God. And I'm not going to sit here and say God's in control. It means all this crazy stuff is because God's in control. No, he ain't in control here. Now his plan, his ultimate plan is going to happen. Jesus is coming back. The church is going to be taken out. And eventually, all this evil stuff can be taken care of, and he's going to come back and set up his kingdom here on earth. That's going to happen. Amen. <laughs> Even the refreshers agree. It's going to happen. Now, you know in Matthew, I said it. Here's a scripture that contradicts it. What the world says, God is in control. Because if God's in control, then you ain't got to do nothing. Why pray? Why even go to church? Just sit at home, relax, because God's in control. It'll be all right. No. We know that's not right. Any, and anybody with any kind of sense, spiritual sense knows that. And I understand people say, well, that's not what that means. You don't understand. People get confused with things. There's no scripture to say that God is in control of everything. Everything happens because God wants it to happen that way. No, he doesn't. He's not out killing people. He's not out letting the devil kill people. Look here in Matthew 9. Let's pick it up in verse 27. It says, and when Jesus departed there, two blind men followed him crying and saying, O oh, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him and said, Jesus said unto him, Believe you that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. He didn't say, hey, no problem, I got this. Don't worry about this. I'll heal you. You don't even have to do it. No, he, he, that's not what he said. He didn't say the Father's in control. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Everywhere Jesus went, he ministered faith. He taught faith. He's, he's, a, faith, he's, he's a faith God. And what he did was,
He got them their faith to grow, to be stretched to the point that they could receive what he was saying. So here's a, man, a blind man that comes to him and says, Son of David. Acknowledging his lineage. Have mercy on me. And he looked at him and said, Do you believe that I can do this? And obviously, this scripture doesn't say it, but obviously, when he said it to that man, the look on that man's face was, Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I know. I know it. He said, then according to your faith, be it unto you. See, if you've got little faith, you've got little ministry. If you have much faith, you have much ministry. If you have great faith, you have great ministry. What a lot of times has to happen is people's faith has to grow. And faith only comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, how much more? When you get in his presence, when you get in the Father's presence, and he's talking to you, he's, he's telling you things. What is that doing to your faith? It's increasing. It's changing your life. It's changing your destiny. Because when something happens in your life, the very first person you should go to is the Father. Jesus did. That's how he, that's how he rolled. And that's how he still rolls. He said, I can do nothing. Nothing. Except I see the Father do it, or I hear him. I can't do anything. Now the religious people today, if he were here and said that, they would say, you are the Son of God. What are you talking about, man? Wake up. He said, no, I can do nothing except I see the Father and I hear the Father. If the Son of God operates that way, we ought to operate that way too. Everything in our lives. Let me bring another scripture to you. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. Right? But the next part is the most important part of that. Not that those aren't. He said, no man, no man goes to the Father but through me. So here again, Jesus is acknowledging the destination is the Father. In everything. That's why I've said before, the most important relationship you have here on earth is not the one with your spouse. It's not the one with your job, your boss, your neighbor. It is not. Your children, it's not. It's not. It's the Father. That's the most important relationship. Because out of that relationship comes everything. Everything. When something happens to your children or something happens to you or your spouse and you don't have the answer, he already has the answer. And chances are he's probably been trying to talk to you about it for a long time, but you you get distracted. And I, I started to say about that, but the devil is a master at distractions. You pick up the Bible, you fall asleep. We've got these little instruments we carry with us. And they go off. Ding! 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 Here I'm trying to 
wait on the Lord. Ding! Reach out. I've got to see who that is. No, you don't. Why don't you shut that thing off? You knew you were going in to, to spend time with the Father. So you got to get skillful. We've got to get skillful of these things. Shut the phone off. When I go out to eat with another minister, I make sure at the very least my phone is, the all the volume in it is off. Most of the time I try to just shut the whole phone off. It's very rude for me to sit with a man or woman of God and hear what they have to say about the kingdom and my phone goes off, oh, I guess who that is. What's more important? And minister, I, I've seen ministers do it. Oh, I'm expecting a real important phone call. It'll wait. What did we do 50 years ago? We didn't have a phone to carry with us. You had to pull out on the side of the road, put 25 cents in a phone, or 10 cents, or whatever it was back then, and then call somebody. And if they weren't standing by their phone, you just wait. The devil will distract you. But Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. People place such a high priority on their, on their devices and they wonder why God doesn't do anything in their lives. It's because you don't pay any attention to him. Faith has to be fed and exercised in order for you to grow. You've got to feed your faith. You have to feed it. And then, not only feed on it, then you've got to go out and exercise it. Not, not, that means we've got to do it. We've got to do it. And as we do it, then we'll see things happen. Because we're feeding on it, we're exercising it. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, let's look at this scripture here. Romans 1, verse 15. Paul says this in verse 15, So as much as is in me is, <clears throat> I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. <clears throat> Does everybody receive salvation? No, they don't. What does it say? To those, but to those that believe. Only those that believe receive salvation. Does anyone want to get healed? No. no. Why not? Because the requirements are you've got to believe. And you can't believe without faith. Because without faith, or outside the arena of faith, you can't receive anything from God. You can't, when it comes to healing, you can't stand in the arena of the doctors and the medications that they're, they're saying that you need to take and believe that that's what's, going to, that's what's going to change your life. And at the same time, say, well, you believe in the Lord for healing. No, you can't serve two masters. Nothing wrong with doctors. I'm not saying that, doctors. I didn't say that. I'm saying as a believer, your first response should be the, the Father and his word. 
Now, what does the father say about the, the situation? You know, let me just say one thing. I, I had a growth years ago on my, on my back here. And it was, it's about that tall. And if I put a little child up on my arms, which we had children at that time, they always would play with that knob. It was like a handle. That's the first place the little hands went to. So one day I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, I'm believing you to, to heal me of this thing. I could go to the doctor and have him take it off. But I won't believe you to, to, to be healed of it. <clears throat> and I waited. The Lord spoke to me a little while later, oh, maybe a day or two later. He said, you know, son, there's only the thing on, the, on, on your back. He said, you already said the doctors can take it off. You know they can take it off. He said, your faith right now is at the place where it may take you a long time for that to, be, to, to, to go. Your faith just ain't there yet. Go to the doctor. Come take it off. It'll be okay. They'll stitch you up. You'll be fine. So you know what I did? I did exactly what the father said. I went to the doctor, had the doctor look at it. It'd been on there for 10 years or so, maybe even longer than that at that time. So I wasn't, there was no concern about it being something. I mean, my gosh, if in 10 years something, nothing had happened, it ain't going to happen. All I'm saying is, God's not against doctors. He is, he'll use them. Now you got to watch medications because you can get over-medicated on things. That's, that's almost kind of a proven fact in the medical industry. I don't know what the last I saw, but it was, it was in the top like 10 of causes of people's death of over-medication. Over Their medications are killing them. Simply because you got some people, they, they got a box of medications they're on. They don't, know those, they don't interact real well. Some will cause permanent problems in your body. But you know, the Father already got the answer. He already knows what's going on. He's just waiting for, for us to spend some time with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so it's only available. Salvation, healing, it's only available to those that believe. It says to the Jew first and also the Greek. He says, verse 17, let's, let's look here. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For therein is the righteousness. And what is the righteousness? It's the right things of God. It's his rightness. What are the right things of God? The things that are good for you. For therein is the righteousness revealed to what? To those that believe. It's revealed to those that believe. And that's where you'll get Christians that say, well, you know, sometimes it's God's will to heal you and sometimes it's not. What's happened here? They don't believe. It hasn't been revealed to them because they don't believe. They've listened to somebody else that said, you've got to die of something. And sometimes God just takes people because he needs them in heaven. That's a lie. I mean, if heaven is, is dependent upon you and me being there to do something, think about this, church. Heaven's in trouble. Let the Bible say, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Didn't we just read that? Don't think. Why would you think that heaven needed somebody in heaven? That's thinking pretty highly of somebody else. You mean all these smart people that, that gave their life to the Lord and went to heaven, they can't help the Father <laughs> like he needs help? Far more smarter people than, than you or me. He doesn't need us there. For therein, in what? In believing, 
is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Live by faith. Now Paul also said in, in, in Romans chapter 8, we're not going to go there, but he said, if you're carnally minded, you're fleshly minded, you're going to experience death. To be carnally minded is to experience death. But if, if you're spiritually minded, if you believe and you're looking to the Lord, life everlasting. Everlasting. When? Right then. Not when I get to heaven. No, no, no. It starts when I believed. It was available when you gave your life to the Lord from day one. You just didn't know about it. Because why? Your faith was small. Your proportion of faith had not been stretched to that point. Sometimes people on day one get healed because they hear a message about healing and it all just happens at once. Their faith was stretched to the point, not only could they believe for their salvation, they believed for their healing. And that's why even times you can go minister to somebody, they're not even a believer. And you can minister healing to them and they'll receive healing. Because you can quote some scripture, you can say, did you know that God said in his word, he sent his word and healed me? He healed us? Did you see, in the New Testament, it says that by Jesus' stripes, we were, past tense, we were healed. Really? Does it say that? Yes, it says that. I've never heard that. I'm talking as, as, as an unbeliever that you're talking to. Well, if that's the case, if my was healed, go ahead, go ahead and pray, pray for me. They're believing. They believe it. Because they haven't been washed with all this mud and, and junk that it's not God's will, always his will to heal. They don't even know. They didn't even know he would. Now you're sharing the, the truth with them and something's happening on the inside because their spirit is recognizing truth. Their spirit, their very spirit is recognizing truth. And see, that's where you've got to watch because your spirit, you can shut it down by what you believe or what you don't believe. You see it in the word of God that it's God's will to heal. You, you, you've got to believe that. And you've got, to, you've got to take that and embrace that and stand on that to the point that your spirit is, all, is, is already renewed and it recognizes that truth. That it's for you. Now your flesh will fight you. Your brain will fight you because your brain is not how you communicate with God. That's how the devil talks to you. Through your brain and through your flesh. You can't go base things on the kingdom by what you feel. The devil doesn't show up in a red suit and wearing horns and a long red tail with a sign that says, I'm the devil. No, the Bible says he's subtle. He likes to come camouflaged. Stealth. You don't even recognize him. Matter of fact, the Bible says he comes disguised as an angel of light. He looks just like an angel of light. A good angel. But see, if you don't know the truth, because Jesus said, it's the truth that you know that'll set you free. But if you don't know the truth, an angel can come into your presence and you think it's God, and you can believe what he says. And it wasn't even God to begin with, it was the devil. That's how he comes to you. So it says here that there is the rightness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So faith is revealed from, from a level of faith to another level of faith. Now I heard a minister talking about one time about Brother Hagin, and he said this, he said, 
He was at Ramah years ago. And he said Brother Hagin was teaching a class and all Brother Hagin was doing was reading from the Bible. He wasn't explaining nothing. He's just reading Scripture. He said he noticed his Brother Hagin was reading just Scripture, not giving any explanation, just reading it. He said he was seeing things that he had read in the Bible. He, he, he read that Scripture many, many times. But he was seeing things that he had never seen before. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. Brother Hagin was reading from a different level of faith than they had. He was reading from a level of expectation to see what the Word said is going to come to pass. He said, I've seen it. I've seen it. He said, because I've read them scriptures many times. I never seen it, but until that time, I saw something that I'd never seen before. And all he's doing is just reading scripture. The righteousness of God is given from faith to faith. Another level of faith. There's other levels. From faith to faith. That's why it says, the just shall live by faith, because that's where increase comes. Living by faith. Not giving it a try. Not occasionally thinking about it. No, you, you, you're going to have to make it a way of your life. A way of your life and you're walking greater revelation. Faith is progressive. Matter of fact, go to Isaiah chapter 26. Let's look at the scripture. I haven't even hit the main scripture that we want to talk to today, but that's okay. We'll touch on it. We may have to, like I said, we'll probably have to do this next Sunday. I suspected that was going to be that way, but praise God. See, as believers, we, have, we should operate in the peace of God because we're living by faith. And our faith is growing because we're getting into his presence, spending time with him. When you're reading his word, you're spending time in his presence. You're, you're not going to get the same effect when you're reading those devices. Why? Because things pop up on there. Distractions. Sign up now for a discount. Oh, let's see what that is. Hey, this is Bill. I need you over at my house as soon as possible. Okay, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, you just got out of the presence because of that. You did. I've done it. I know. I'm preaching to myself. I sit there and think that, well, I can read on my phone and do some other... No, I can't. I can't do it. I'm, it's, really a dis, it's really a discredit and, and showing the Father that his things aren't really important. And then I wonder why... Why do, why do I struggle some days and other days I don't? Well, because the days that I don't struggle, I give him my un, undivided attention. Days I struggle, it's I'm trying to do too much. You can't do it. You, you just can't. It's a struggle. Isaiah 26, you there? I want you to look at the scripture. In verse 3 it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Now, that's what the King James says, but the, the actual Hebrew says he, that the Father will keep us in peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on him. 
peace, peace. What's, and actually the original Hebrew says shalom, shalom. Which shalom is peace. Whose mind is stayed on me. If your mind is stayed on God, you're, what, you're thinking about him. Right? If you, you, you hear Christians say, well, I, I love the Lord. Well, how often do you think about it? Well, I don't know. I mean, once a week, twice a week, church service. That's the only time you think about it? Your mind's not stayed on, on the Lord, and that's why you don't have peace. You don't have peace, peace, which is a level above what other believers experience. This, he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to the world. The world has no peace. They don't have peace. They have none. They may have something that seems like it's peace, but oh, trust me, when you go away and they're there by themselves, it's a, it's a wreck. It's a train wreck. And they feel relieved that you've actually left and they were able to make you feel like they were in peace, but they've got hell burning inside of them. They have no peace. But God's saying he's going to put you at a level of peace, peace, which is greater than what other believers experience. Why? Because your mind is stayed on him because what are you thinking about him? And, you, and people will say, well, I love the Lord. What do you think about him? You love your spouse? How often do you think about your spouse? Well, I think about them every day. How often do you think about the Lord? Well, two or three times a week. Well, not really over the last few years. I really haven't thought about him that much. You don't love him. If you told your spouse, I'd never think about you. You, you do know that marriage is coming to an end. Right. It, it's, 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 that, that boat's taken on water. Unless you make a change in your thinking process and you start thinking about them, you're in trouble. This is what God's saying right here. God's promise to us, and he said, I'm going to keep you at a level of peace that's above everybody else because you keep your mind on me. And you can keep your mind. You don't, that doesn't mean you have to stop what you're doing, but you can just say, Lord, while I'm working, show me something. Talk to me. Because I'm going to be busy working, doing my job. You just go ahead and talk to me. And you'd be surprised what will happen. You'd be doing something, and all of a sudden, something just drops in your spirit. Oh, I've never thought about that. Thank you for sharing that with me. He may even have somebody come up and say something to you. See, you need to recognize God moving. And it's not always going to be somebody that's brighter or smarter than you. It can be somebody that is younger than you. Don't know as much as you do. So you've got to be open to those things. Let's go to Exodus 33. We'll touch on this today. God's dealing with the Israelites and Moses. He bringing them out of the, he's bringing them out of Egypt, and there's some frustration going on. Exodus 33, chapter, or verse 1, look, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, and go up here, you and, your, and the people which you have brought out of the land of Egypt. Notice what God said. The people you brought out. God didn't say the people that I'm bringing out. He said the people you brought out. God's not happy right now. <laughs> you pick up on this. He said, you go up, you and the people which you have brought out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, unto your seed I will give it. Now this next part, verse 2, he says, and I will send an angel before you, and I, 
And I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. You think, well, that's good. Is it really? God said, I'm going to send an angel. I'm not going, but I'm going to send my angel. That is not a good thing. That's not good. Verse 3. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of you, for you are a stiff-necked people, lest I consume you in the way. He, he's, he's, God's mad at them. Because they won't listen to what they, they won't listen to what he says. He said, I'm going to send my angel and let him go up there, but I'm not going. Because if I go, this thing's going to go sideways real fast. If we go sideways, people aren't going to be around. He's pretty, he's, he's not a happy camper right now. Now, he's got peace. Because he, he, he knows things are going to turn out, but he's, he's letting Moses know and let the people know, hey, I'm not happy with how you're conducting things. This is not, be, this is not going to be, you're not going to have peace, peace. Because your mind is not stayed on me. Verse 4, he says, And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. And no man did put on his ornaments, or his, you know, another word for that word ornaments is his jewels. Why? Because, see, God had instructed the people, when you come into my presence, when you come to the house of God, you've got to dress a certain way. Now they're upset, they're mourning. They're not even going to get ready to go to church. They're not going to get ready to go into his presence. They're not going to put on their stuff. They know they're in trouble. Verse 5. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up in the midst of you in a moment and consume you. Therefore now put off your ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto you. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments, of their jewels, by the Mount Oreb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. Verse 8, And it came to pass that when Moses went out into the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, verse 9, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, that a cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Now this wasn't just no honor, this no ordinary cloud that descended. It, it, it descends upon the tabernacle, and it's the very presence of God. So much so the people saw it. And they saw that God was talking with Moses. A man that doesn't even have the Spirit of God inside of him, God's having a conversation. And we've got doctrines of demons today telling you that God doesn't talk to people. I like what Paul said, from such, turn away. Get away from them. Don't, don't go in there and try to correct because a lot of them, they've been, they've been, that's been emblazoned into their spirits. And they ain't changing. They're stiff-necked. They won't listen to God. So he says, verse 10, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand in the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent. Notice their attitude changing. All of a sudden, oh, no, we got to focus on God. We better be worshipping him. They know, they know there's trouble here. And so what, what are they doing? They're turning. They're turning. And it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. 
So the Lord speaks to Moses face to face. What's the Bible say about seeking his face? When, you, when we seek God's face, he looks at you. He looks at you. You ever been in a place? I know you have. You're walking out somewhere, maybe at the store, maybe, you know, and, and you feel somebody's looking at you, and you turn around, and there's a person standing, and they're looking at you. Don't tell me I'm the only one this has ever happened to. What happened? We're spiritual beings. And our spirits are in another realm, tapped into another realm. How did you know that somebody was looking at you? Because your spirit knew that they were looking at you. Your flesh didn't understand this. But your spirit saying, you turn around, there's somebody looking at you. And you turn around, there they are, they're looking at you. Because there's a connection in spirits. Your spirit told you that. And just as when, when you talk with God, your spirit is seeking Him and, and communicating with Him, He's speaking, he turns around and he faces you in the realm of the Spirit face to face. He don't do that with everybody. The only ones he'll do that with are people that their minds are on him. Their minds are on him. And they live by faith. That's how they roll. They're not part-time churchgoers. They're not part-time Christians. They're not looking for a way to get out of this. They're looking for a way to get in closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. So they walk in more and more and more. The faith is growing. It's always growing. It's always growing. There's things that you pick up in the realm of the Spirit because you're a spiritual being. We see this in animals. We see this in dogs. You ever notice how dogs can tell people? They can tell good people from bad people. You bring somebody around and the dog starts growling, is really upset. Why? Dogs see things. They recognize some things. Children are that way too. Children can recognize a good person. They can recognize a bad one. Why? Because they're not that far out of the throne room. Their spirits are picking up. They, they, now, they may not fully understand what's going on, but their spirits are only weeks or months, maybe a year, from the throne room. They were, they were in the throne room. They remember, their spirits remember that transaction of communication in heaven because a lot of communication in heaven is it's not it's not verbal it's just a knowing it's knowing you know so animals sense that too now call and what's happening is your presence is emanating who you are. Your presence is emanating who you are. That's why when you get into the Father's presence, there's an, there is a transaction that's taking place between Him and you because you're in, you're in agreement and there's things that you receive that you won't get and you won't hear. What is God? Some people say, well, God's power. No, that's not what he is. He's, he has power. But what is he? He's love. 
God is love. That's who he is. So there's something that takes place when, when we get into that relationship. And that's what was happening here. God's speaking to Moses face to face. Let's go on to verse 12. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See that you seest, sayest me, bring up this people, that you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know these by name, and, and you have also found grace in my sight. And, God, and Moses is having a conversation with the Lord here. He's, he said, you, you, you tell me I have grace in your sight, but you don't want these people. You're mad with these people. Verse 13, and he says, Now therefore I pray you, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now thy way, that I may know you, and I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And here's what happens. God says, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses is saying, if you ain't going with us into the land, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Father, you, you said I found grace in your sight. If that's true, I believe it's true. You go with me. Moses didn't change God's mind. God was waiting for Moses to see if he knew. Even though he spoke face to face with him, he's waiting to see, are you going to remind me of the things I've said to you? Because when we had our times together, Moses, I've, I've shared you with you some intimate things about me. I, yeah, I told you, I, you found grace in my sight. Are you going to bring that back up to me? Remind me of that what I said to you? And he did. He said, Lord, if I found grace in your sight, you go with me. Go with me. And the Lord said, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I remember another, I'm closing here. <laughs> yeah, sure. I remember another instance. This man of God. In 1 Corinthians, I think it's 14 verse 1, it says, follow after love and seek the manifestations of the Spirit. Follow after love. And this one minister was talking about years ago, there was a couple that they'd been in ministry for a long, long time. They did a lot of home, home churches. And uh, what would happen, they, they just had some manifestations of the Spirit of God in these services. And he said he'd, he'd go to these meetings. He went, over the years, he, he went quite a few times. And they were there, I don't know, one of these meetings after several times of going. What would happen is the man would, st would, he would open up and teach about faith. Then his wife would come up afterwards and she'd get a word from the Lord. And she called people up for prayer and pray for it. And, and, and God would just heal people. People would get healed. I mean, just miraculous things would happen. So one of these times, <clears throat> she gets up and she said, I want to share with you, the Lord's told me to share with you how God uses me in this ministry. And she reiterated, she said, now, you know, my husband gets, he, he teaches on faith. He gets people's faith built up. He teaches you about faith, so you're encouraged in faith to use your faith, to operate in faith. She said, most of the times when I come up here, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. She says, I'll look out into the people there, and they said, it, usually it'd be 10, 12 people, not very many people at all. She said, I'll stand there and I'll look out at the people and I just love them. 
I just start loving them. I look with love at everyone that's there. And what will happen is there's a connection in the spirit between me and, and somebody. And I'll ask the person that, that made that connection, I'll ask them, could I pray for you? And as they stand up, she said, and many times, this is how it happens. As they stand up and they step forward, then the Lord will tell me how to minister to them. Give me the word and I'll go and say it to them and their healing manifests just like that. Now what was happening there? She's following after love. That's what it said in Corinthians. Follow after love. It says in Corinthians, in the, in the love chapter, talks all about love. Now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Love. See, if you don't perfect your love walk, If you let pride get in the way, and I've heard people say, well, I don't have pride. Yeah, you do. The problem is pride's already won because you're no longer dealing with it because you don't think you got any. you got pride. We all got pride. We all got to fight it because pride will try to get in the way. And perfect your love walk because as you follow after love, God's going to show you things. You're going to get in his presence. You'll be face to face just like Moses was. And when you seek his face, here's what will happen in the spirit realm, just as it happened with Moses. The Father will turn his face and look at you. Now later on in that chapter, we didn't read it, but you know, I'll talk about it a little bit. Moses said to the Father, he said, I'm going to see your face. So I want to see your face. And the father said, you can't see my face because if you see my face, you die. He said, but I'm going to put you in this crevice of this rock over here and I'm going to, as I walk by, you'll see my backside and you'll see my goodness pass before you. What is his goodness? His goodness is him. His goodness is him. He was asking to see his face. Father was saying, you can't see my face. No man can see his face and live. We can only be in his presence because our spirit is new. But we can't. The father showed up here and, his, and showed his face. We'd all die. We just couldn't handle it. This flesh couldn't handle it. So he manifested through his son. That's a different story we're not going to get into. Did you get something today? His presence is so valuable. So valuable. As you spend time in his presence, it'll cause the Father just to turn to face you. You all have your communion elements? Anybody need some? If you do, raise your hand. Make sure you get it. You can... You can Turn that off. Hallelujah.